I boys, I saw the Wisconsin Badger Twitter account tweet this out, and I said, "Hell yeah!" They say, "When you say Wisconsin, R.J. Nelson, you said it all. You said it all." Bum bum. Most combined bowl and NCAA tournament appearances since the 1992-93 season. Jeez. Number three goes to Texas. That's 47 combined bowl and NCAA tournament appearances. Number two is the Florida Gators at 48. And coming in at number one, yeah, you guessed it, Wisconsin. 51 combined bowl and NCAA tournament appearances since 92-93. And I wouldn't have guessed Texas. Would you have guessed yeah, Wisconsin they, number they one? They had that run there with Rick Barnes where they were making tournaments every year. Would you have guessed Wisconsin number one, though? Probably not number one, but I definitely would have put them way up there because how many times in the last 20 years have they missed an NCAA tournament and or missed a bowl game? If not, yeah. I mean, they haven't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it makes sense for Wisconsin. I guess I just For the most have, part, they haven't. I wouldn't have thought of Texas. Because, one, the football team definitely isn't back. Well, I mean, you got to look at it before they even left. <laughs> okay, cool. <Hope> so. <laughs> before they left, they were doing they were doing pretty good. Like, I get Florida just because they've been overall pretty successful until post-Urban Meyer, I guess you would say. But they were still making bowls, just not uh, high-profile ones. And Billy Donovan had a long, really good stretch with Florida. Yeah. And... So looking at this, boys, Florida 48, Texas 47. The question I have right now, I know you can't see him on Twitch because of the camera. Uh, Rowdy and I, I have, some people think this is orange. It's more of like a, it's a, it's, a, it's red. It's, it's just, a reddish orange. It's reddish orange, more of like a faded red. Maybe we'll even call it a blood orange. Yeah, it's like a faded red blood orange. My question is, RJ, are you wearing the polo you have on today? Very, fits you very nice. I like That's the underarm. Texas-ish. Polo. Is it Texas? No, this is or not. Or is it for Tennessee? This is not burnt orange. Is it Tennessee? He, no, I think I figured it out. He's a Rick Barnes guy. He was with <laughs> Texas. Now he's with Tennessee. What's the, is the orange? In the, between shades. The Tennessee Volunteers? Is it the... I don't know. I just put it on. A little Auburn orange? What is that? That's the Rick Barnes collection. Rick Barnes collection and Rowdy's got his Rowdy's got the featuring Under Armour. So RJ's got the Rick Barnes collection on. Rowdy's got the Brett Bielema collection on with his Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, hold on, actually, zippy. you got to zip it up all the way. There you yep. go. Oh, by the way, and watching, I, have my, I have the Kurt Cobain collection on right now. <laughs> watching that uh, Indiana Wyoming game, did anyone else notice that the Wyoming coach had his zipped all the way up? Yeah, and I think a lot of these staff did. Maybe did, that's why did, they lost. I did see somebody say. They all look like they're wearing uniforms from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they, they lost. It was cutting the circulation yeah. up to their brain. <laughs> hey, let it breathe a little bit, man. Don't button it all the way up to the top. Don't zip it all the way up to the top. Let it. Let your neck breathe a little bit. I will let say that oxygen this, though, get to your brain. For this type of get-up and jacket, it is a little nice to have this type of jacket on Badger Saturdays. And then you start walking, you get the... Oh, the... Oh, yeah, it's definitely That's Bielema-esque. when you know Rowdy means business, when you hear the extra. <laughs> it's Bielema-esque. Oh, Bielema-esque is a, is a Clemson orange. No, it's the Rick, it's the Rick Barnes. No. It's the yeah, Rick it's, Barnes collection. It's somewhere between Tennessee and Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the song. Yeah, it could be. It could be a little Probably bluegrass is. song. Uh, so I was. Uh, one, all my exes live in Texas. That's why I live in Tennessee. There you go. There, there it is. Rowdy absconded it. away. So, so in, that, in those years since 92, 93. Yeah, for Badgers. A total of nine bowl games and NCAA tournaments missed. That's it? Nine. That's it. Nine, nine times. Three bowl games by the uh, football team missed in those times. 92, 
95 and 2001. Nine times. And then uh, Badger basketball did not make it in 92, 93, 94, 95, 95, 96, 97, 98. So basically like the 90s and 1718? 1718 and <laughs> since there was none in... 1920. You can throw that one out. So it's eight. Five missed by the uh, by the basketball team. Nine. All basically except for the one in the 90s. Yeah. So it's been a hell of a run in the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. They just have that, you know, that one. And then obviously you throw the COVID crap out because everyone wasn't there. Since 98, 99, they have missed one NCAA tournament. That's incredible. So, uh, again, when you say Wisconsin, you've said it all. 51. That's the most combined bowl in NCAA tournament but appearances. All since 92 93. That Wisconsin one is leads the way. Greg Gard, so fire him. <laughs> Florida 48, Texas 47. Now, here's the kicker, though. What do you say when people say, well, there's no championship in there? You tell them to go take a long walk of a short pier? I say, well, in that if time you're, span, if you're upset with that kind of consistency, Go, I don't think anything's going to make go, you happy. Go be a bandwagon hopper somewhere. Yeah, just bandwagon every year to year to year. In that time span, the only team that was in the top three that has a championship would be Florida. Yeah, and they have two. Well, I guess no. Well, Texas, Texas have Texas technically with Vince Young, right? Yeah, because yeah, they yeah yep. But so I guess right. none in basketball. Two yeah. Florida's the ba- only one that has football and basketball. Yeah, Florida's yeah. got multiple. Joe Kim and the Gator Boys, and I guess Texas would have one with Vince Young. Wisconsin, though, the most combined bowl in NCAA tournament appearances. Wisconsin does have a loss in the national championship game. Yep, two Final Fours, lost the championship game. Justice no, foot- Winslow still touched they have it. three Final Fours in there. Yep, correct. Coach and- K's back definitely flared up, and but they football, started getting every call in the second half. What would be the yeah. biggest, what would be the biggest, and some Rose Bowls then in there, I guess? Rose Bowl championships? Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I mean, what would be the biggest for football outside of Rose Bowl? Uh, that's that's basically Cotton it. Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you got the Cotton Bowl. You got the so who's had more? So then, clearly, Wisconsin basketball has had more success than Wisconsin football. Yeah, I mean, if you go with that route, let's see your best finish in there in the AP poll is seventh. Nope, fourth in nineteen ninety nine. Well, the consistency though is nothing short of incredible. When you think of like nationally, I think Wisconsin gets looked over so much, but look at the consistent winning and how much they've been on um, just a tear. And I saw another, I have to look at it. Wisconsin football is up there with uh, the second most wins for X amount of years, just behind Ohio State. So Wisconsin is able to just find success. Just can, can well, I think it's more one. impressive from the basketball side of things, just because look around, there's not a ton of Wisconsin basketball players that are in the NBA. Yeah. And you don't get, a, and you really don't get any of the one and dones or any of those star five-star recruits. And there's only been three All-Americans now. For Johnny Davis is the third, Frank Kaminsky before, and then Alondo Tucker before that. Mm-hmm. Yet the football team we've seen, especially recently, they've gotten better recruits. We've seen a decent amount of Badgers in the past go to the NFL, especially in the last decade. A couple of years ago, all the top linemen were all from Wisconsin for, for salary. All top paid, yeah. Yeah, top paid. And now you look at some of the, you know, like Jonathan Taylor now turning heads. T.J. Mm-hmm. Watt just was defensive player, or J.J. Or T.J. Watt, defensive player yep. of the year. Before that, J.J. Watt. Yep. You're, you're not wrong. No. <laughs> we had the first four uh, kicking things, tipping things off yesterday. Rowdy got a win in the Razor's Edge with the Indiana Hoosiers taking down Wyoming. And then we have another first four going on tonight, Rowdy. 
And you, well, I don't, we'll do it at 8.50 for your, uh, the second edition of the Razor's Edge. Uh, but tonight, uh, both games are going to be on True TV. You take the night off in Practical Jokers. Bryant versus Wright State. Now, Bryant is the team that had the huge fight in the stands. And then they're uh, in their conference championship game. And then later on at 8.10 is Notre Dame and Rutgers. Uh, Rudiger, I don't know if he'll be in, in attendance, but uh, the Scarlet Knights and the Fighting Irish. But Rowdy, we got a little fever last night, feeling it in that Wyoming and um, Indiana game. But looking uh, here at the brackets, we were filling some out in the office yesterday. How far do you have the Wisconsin Badgers going? And people out there listening at 608-321-6070 call in, how far do you have Wisconsin going? Is there homers out there, or are you doing it realistically? What are you doing, Rowdy? I'm going to break this down by how I think it could go and then where I actually put them in the bracket. So worst case scenario for me, Badgers lose first round to Colgate. Reason being Johnny Davis doesn't play well. Mm. Maybe the ankle's still a little banged up. And we know that Colgate shoots the ball well from behind the arc. They got to get hot. Wisconsin needs or Colgate needs Johnny Davis not to play well. That's worst case scenario. They lose a tight game to Colgate because Colgate just shoots the lights out and Johnny Davis isn't good. Yeah. Best case scenario for me, as weird as this sounds, I think I can see them in the final four. Woo-wee. Now that's what I'm talking about. They get past Colgate and absolutely stop them. Cause they're just clearly better. And Colgate doesn't shoot 40% from the three. Yeah. They then get Iowa state or LSU, which I think de- de- depending on which team they are, they're just, they play, they just clearly are better than. They get past them. Then is when, in my opinion, the bracket starts to get tougher. They most likely would have Auburn. I could see Wisconsin slowing the game down against Auburn, turning it into a slower game, hitting some shots. Johnny Davis takes over like we've seen him in most games this season. They win a close one. Yeah. Then I could see them playing the top of the bracket where it's either Kansas or Iowa, where we've already seen them beat Iowa. And I don't think Kansas is special this year. I, I know they do have some good players. Obviously, they're a one oh, yeah, seed. I mean, yeah, they're the they're one of the better teams in the in the country. But I, I don't necessarily think Kansas, in my opinion, is a big-time favorite to win it all. No, I like the so chances. They get, yeah, they beat an Iowa-type team or a Kansas, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you look up and they're in the Final Four. I think that's best-case scenario. Yeah, for and where do you have them in your where bracket? Where do I have them? I have them losing in the Sweet 16 to, to uh, Auburn. But Sweet 16 is the ceiling. I mean, that's that, that's the sign. That's the mark for you, right, for a good season, the Sweet 16 appearance. Sweet 16 should always be the goal, especially we've talked about it earlier today. Wisconsin football, Wisconsin basketball is, has been the best. The best since 92-93 for combined bowl and NCAA appearances, which 51. basically spells out consistency. Texas and then or Florida then Texas and you could even argue basketball has been better than football in the last 20 plus years yes sir I think the goal for Wisconsin basketball basically since Bo Ryan took over was sweet Sweet 16 16. or bust yep you could say it was a good year if you made the sweet 16 or did better or say man I'm a little disappointed we lost in the first round now for me I have Wisconsin going to the elite eight I've been on the elite eight sweet 16 is phenomenal this is a ceiling or I'm sorry a floor sweet 16 for the Wisconsin Badgers um, it's n- nothing short of a disappointment unless they make the Sweet 16. I have them in the Elite Eight uh, for this. And then I agree with you, Rowdy. A Final Four trip is definitely foreseeable. You can definitely do that, especially when you have a player like Johnny Davis. I have them in Elite Eight appearance. I've seen a lot of the talking heads having Iowa 
out of that region going to the Final Four. Well, Iowa is really hot right now. Yeah, they just won the Big Ten tournament. Keegan Murray's on there. They won the Big Ten tournament, but they were even hot in the month of February before yeah. that. Well, see, the Badgers, because the lack of depth, because... And Lauren Bowman ain't coming back, by the way. I was reading an article yesterday. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back, so that's tough for the bench. Sorry to interrupt. Well, when you have lack of lack of a bench or bench production, you have starters with heavy minutes, and you have some top-heavy starters like the Johnny Davises of the world. Yeah, Some of the guys can lack scoring at times. You can see this team being upset in round one just because if they don't play well, it's a team where it can it can look pretty ugly. Look yeah. at look at Nebraska, the last game of the season. I mean, look at Michigan State too. Yeah, but right. if they play well, they hit their shots, and maybe the bench even you Shows know comes up, out there, some scores minutes. ten points, grabs some rebounds, and they get some good production. Or when we say good production, I, I, I think ten. I don't think they need ten points on the bench; just good minutes. Norm, but yeah, but normally when Board we say assists, yeah. the bench had a good night, it's like they scored around ten points, like 10 less, grabbed yeah. like five, six rebounds, and and played good minutes. And then Johnny Davis had a good game. Yep. Tyler Wall and Crowell were solid. And, and Chucky Hepburn. Shots. Yeah. That's a type of team that when they do play just a little bit slower, it's not quite the same up and down pace as that 2015 sure. type team. But yep. it's not as slow as what we've seen in the past. Nope. They can beat teams like the Auburns. Yeah, they're more of like an up-tempo team this the year. The Kansases. Sure. They can do want, it. I don't and- want to put Iowa up into that category yet but they have been high yeah. uh, we'll hear from Johnny Davis Greg Gard Tyler Wall I have some comments from them yesterday they met with the media uh, but before that I see the phone lines blowing up let's go line one good morning who's this Z in the D Z in the D what's up Zach not much so yeah I'm agreeing with most of what you guys are saying um, oh, we're, we're highly intelligent individuals oh hey, Z one second I just gotta toss this person on hold uh, alright Z sorry my bad keep keep all going right. well you were saying that we're very handsome and intelligent. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the Badgers Final Four Elite Eight. I think it's a, the first game is going to be the kicker. If, you know, if they don't come out stomping right away, they still win the game, but it's with a six-point game. I could see some trouble in the game number two. Um, what Johnny Davis needs to do is he needs to feel out himself. Like, he needs to know what he can or can't do, you know, because what is it, in the Nebraska game, well, not the Nebraska game, in the uh, – but Michigan, Michigan State, State yeah. yeah, he got in foul trouble, and that's what really hurt him. So he really needs to feel out, like, after that first foul, like, what are the refs going to call and what they're not going to call? Because, obviously, Johnny Davis is the offense. He's the key to the offense. Um, and, you know, if Johnny Davis is fouling two fouls within the first five, six minutes, then you know that Crawl, boy, all those guys are going to get in foul trouble. And you can't get in foul trouble in March Madness because – one, a team like Colgate. Yeah, especially when you got a limited bench like they have, too. You know? Exactly. If you have a limited bench, foul trouble is not ideal. So that is something. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I've done three brackets. That's where I cut it off. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, I think, I have going in one final tour. Um, I think in one, I have Iowa, and one, I have Kansas. Okay. All right. There it is. I put it down the middle. But, um, yeah, Iowa's been hot since February. Yep. Um, the one thing um, I'm not, if they knew where to get to the sweet 16 and they were to play Auburn, I wouldn't be super scared because Auburn in the last about month and a half, they have been atrocious on the road and they are not playing to their potential. Yeah. So that's one thing I, I'm not really scared of, but yeah, it would be. See, you're like bone crusher. You ain't ever scared. I never scared. <laughs> Good stuff, buddy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Speaking of guests that we have on the show, another one, Rob Reichel, he wrote that article oh, about gone. Aaron Rodgers. Wow. When was that? That was two days ago two, he sent yeah. it to us. Not too long ago. I'm have you it. ever clicked play? I've I've never clicked play. Oh, because it, it reads the, it Because it you. reads the article for you. And I was oh, yeah. doing something else. So I'm like, oh, man, here's a click play. I'll try it. I've never done that before. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Oh, well, okay. Here, um, let me just. So Aaron Rodgers obviously signed his contract yesterday. Well, one, the reading voice couldn't say Rob's name correctly because it Rob goes, Rachel. it reads the title oh, and then yeah. it reads who it's by. And then some of like when they have dates or stats, how it reads it. Here, let's get <laughs> it. Like, I have it right here. Let's. Why the Green Bay Packers will regret staying married to Aaron Rodgers. Oh, this is funny. By Rob Reiskel. Nostalgia <laughs> is a powerful drug. Green Bay you. Packers general manager Brian Gutenkinst is living proof of that. It seems nice. all Gutekinst has to do is close his eyes no, and he travels back to February 6, 2011. The last time Aaron Rodgers was truly special in the playoffs. Oh, what a time, too. That night in Dallas, Rodgers threw three touchdowns against the NFL's best defense and led the Packers to a 31-25 win over Pittsburgh in the 45 Super Bowl. I'm going to pause right there quick. Oh, so far, only... For some reason, it got Gutekunst's name wrong first, but then fixed itself. Yep. Uh, what do they call Robbie? What? Rascal. 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 No, then when they say like the years and and records, it was a little off, but it was kind of. Here's here's more from Rob's article. And by the way, this is a scathing article from Robbie about Aaron Rodgers. Par for his course. Despite more than a decade of postseason failures since that game, Gutekunst and the Packers opted to stay married to Rodgers this offseason. And if the past 11 years have shown us anything, it's that Green Bay will eventually regret that choice. All right, so Dave from Known always bitches about our website, how there's not like this option. So here you go, Dave. Uh, check out Robbie's work at Forbes.com. We can read it to you, you blind ass. Rodgers has won four most valuable player awards since 2011. In the playoffs, though, he consistently morphs into the league's most disappointing player. Oh, tough. Rodgers and the Packers the are just 7-9 no. in the postseason since winning Super Bowl forty-five. They've lost at home four times. I'm going to pause it right there. What an article, by the way. Wow. Uh, it goes on and Robbie just goes after See, I can't just I, I just can't get down with everything that's said in that article. From what Rob typed or what that lady was saying? Both. <laughs> Which just goes hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie goes after hard Aaron Rodgers in this. Uh, he lists every postseason uh, since the Super Bowl. And he does not he does not hold anything back on Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot of it is, and sorry, Robbie, I love you. I think a lot of it's fake news. I just look at Aaron Rodgers, and we talk about quarterbacks based on winning, right? But then we can go and dig up stats about how Tom Brady's had a really good defense or Tom Brady got bailed out with, like, I don't know, a Julian Edelman crazy catch when they were down 28 to three. Like there's been a lot of things that have went Tom Brady's way. Or like James White is the real Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Well, like Tom Brady is good. No doubt about it, but he's had a lot of bounces that went his way over the years. Mm-hmm. You look back at the Aaron Rodgers playoff losses and like you can specifically say in my mind, Oh, this wasn't his fault. Oh, that wasn't his fault. Oh, he played all right. Not like he lost the game. Like you can go through and say, well, Tom Brady didn't play great in this game, but they won by two touchdowns because the defense was awesome. Like Tom, well, that's like, a lot of Tom Brady Super Bowls. Yeah. He didn't play that good. Like yeah. you look, you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers, and in 2009 when they lost in the overtime to Arizona, the defense was horrible, terrible. Yeah. Like 
But Rob, Rob up, says they still need to score points, though. He put up 45 points. They lost. Yeah. Like, the defense was awful. Then they win the Super Bowl. The one one that really stands out to me that I blame him, you were awful. That was the 2012 where they lost to the Giants. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 2011 yep. to the well season. Yeah. Rodgers had a 78.5 pass rating outplayed by Eli Manning. Yeah. That was a, that's on him. Yes. Like, he was awful in that game. He was by far the best quarterback in the NFL that year he completely laid an egg you could say that season for a quarterback might be the best quarterback season ever in the NFL history he has the record for quarterback rating 122.5 and he laid an egg now the next two San Francisco both years is it Aaron Rodgers' fault the defense couldn't stop Colin Kaepernick in the spread option? Well, last time it I checked, like, Rodgers doesn't play It was defense. like nobody in the hey, NFL does. could figure out how to stop the spread option. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all mm-hmm. it was was Colin Kaepernick beating him with his legs. Yeah. Yeah. And Rodgers is the quarterback. He's not a cornerback and in those, or a linebacker. In those two games, the Packers averaged nearly 26 points between the two. Unfortunately, they just happened to give up. 68 points. Okay, so that's called, then 2014, Robbie goes, Rodgers threw two interceptions, had one touchdown, and a pass rating of 55.8 against the overtime loss they to the Seahawks. There was so many things. Julius Peppers doesn't tell Burnett to go down. Or Brandon, Brandon Bostick lets Jordan, Jordy Nelson the catch the... Mm. <laughs> like, those... Or the defense letting Russell Wilson on that, what, that fake field goal. That's clearly yep. not on Aaron Rodgers. The game was won. Yep. It was the, the Packers had a ninety nine point like eight or six percent chance of winning that game or something. Like Two thousand and fifteen, where they lost to Arizona, the defense at the end of the game was not great, and two, that roster was not great. They had yeah. Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, and a missing persons report of James Jones. Those were their best <laughs> receivers. Like, James Jones did not show up. Yeah, that just not. wasn't a good roster. The only reason why they and were there was because there, of Rogers. It was and there because was a of Rogers. Yeah, because of Rogers. In 2016. Yeah, they got smoked by the Falcons. Guess what? Ladarius Gunther. Atlanta you led twenty four to zero at half. You had a terrible roster. That was bad. That was a terrible. That was out. That was the year where Aaron Rodgers was like. That's a, that's a team. A, that's a team who probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go on a run, and then all of a sudden he got extremely hot. They mm-hmm. get into the playoffs, and the only reason why they won the two games in the playoffs was because of him. Right, twenty nineteen against the. Uh, twenty nineteen against the Niners. He didn't play well, but San Francisco literally just. Punched I'm, the I'm Packers pretty, in the face. Was it, was it Aaron Rodgers who got burned multiple times by Raheem Mostert as he was running wild? Yes. Was that Rodgers? Yeah. He in the middle of the he defense? had to put on a different jersey though. Oh, was that what due it was? to assignment issues? Ah, that okay, gotcha. Because that's before you could be different numbers. And he did not play well in that game. <laughs> no, but they did not start that game off hot, and San Francisco just continued to just run it right down their throats. Mm-hmm. They just pounding. And then you had Tampa Bay, where. Everyone thinks of Kevin King, but then you could say that there were some potential coaching questionable calls. Like Matt LaFleur didn't let Rodgers go for on fourth down. I didn't, Rodgers fully I didn't thought think he, could. he played, had to if you not give up that touchdown at halftime. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he played bad at all in that game. Neither did no. I. And then you had just a couple months ago and where could, he did not play bad. Or sure, he, he's got he, a shoulder blame for that. He did not play well at all. And, but there was also, it's like special teams. What about the Mercedes Lewis fumble? Yep. Like, the one game that I can firmly say, Aaron Rodgers, you sucked and you lost that game, 
was the Giants game in 2012. Mm-hmm. I would also put up what just happened against the Niners, but I would blame special teams first and then Rodgers. But that's Rodgers. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of the other losses, you can you can look at a different part of the game and say that was more important than Aaron Rodgers being average. My favorite thing ever, and it, it just hurts my mind because like the Grant Billses of the worlds and a lot of yada yada people that have low T. It's this. Wins are not a quarterback stat. And then when Rodgers or the Packers lose in the playoffs, this is all on Rodgers. Like, you've told me all year that wins aren't a quarterback stat, but now you're talking about a loss or a win is because of Rodgers? It's the same one where people are like, look at all these quarterbacks that have fourth quarter comeback wins. Where's Aaron Rodgers's? Well, usually it's he has the lead. Yeah. And they either win the game or the defense has given up a winning touchdown drive. Hard to get those when you're winning or you're not on the field. Wins and losses aren't a quarterback stat unless I got low T and want to blame Rodgers. Yeah, but the other thing is people will talk (laughs) about Jimmy G and how he's horrible, but then when he gets to the playoffs, they'll talk about how, oh, Jimmy G's record is whatever. He's like six six and two or whatever in the playoffs, and he lost in a Super Bowl, and he lost to the Rams. It's like... Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't have a guy that you basically crap on and say he's as average as can be during the regular season, but then, oh, he's so good in the playoffs in 6-2. and two. <laughs> San Francisco's had a good coach, a great defense, and good running game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, a win that you want to credit Jimmy Grapple for, he was 6-8 of eight passing, and he just handed the ball off to Raheem well, Mostert. The whole could time. you, could you imagine? Uh, now, but it's Jimmy G who won the game. Yep. Okay. Butterfly <laughs> effect here, it would never have happened because they wouldn't have been this bad. But could you imagine, had they passed on Alex Smith, drafted Aaron Rodgers, San Francisco that is, Mm -hmm. but somehow Kyle Shanahan and that that coaching staff still wind up in San Francisco? I don't think they do, but say they do for the scenario. Do you really think we'd be talking about Jimmy G being 6-2 and or Aaron Rodgers like hardly ever losing a game? Rowdy? Well, look at the defenses they've had. Look at the running games they've had. Touche. Do you really think even an average Rodgers loses many games if he was in San Francisco no, no. in that same exact situation? No. Exactly. Let's go to the phones quick before break. Good morning. Who's this? You got your Maytag man right Well, here. what is up, my friend, Zach? What's going on, guys? We're just chilling so, on a uh, Wednesday, you know? Yeah, right, right. Hey, uh, so, Rowdy, you bring up a great point about draft, you know, if San Fran would have drafted Aaron Rodgers number one overall instead of Alex Smith. Alex Smith had, I believe it was five offensive coordinators in six years in his first six years in San Fran. Rodgers would have had the the same thing that that is called instability and and that will ruin. It's like Jay Cutler on the bears, man. Right. So you, you look at a lot of these quarterbacks that come out as high draft picks and they don't have the success that they were supposed to have. Go back and look at how quickly their offensive coordinator turns over, how quickly the head coach turns over. If they're going through an offensive coordinator every two years, that's not helping your quarterback. No. That's why you have like a guy a guy like Patrick Mahomes who's had the same offensive coordinator since he was drafted. You that need consistency. A, I mean, that's what that's they're, they're creatures of habit. You need consistency. Exactly. Now, you guys were you guys brought up the San Francisco game in 2019. You know, Rogers only threw eight incompletions that game. Wow. He was 31 of 39 for like 342 yards. Yeah, he had two interceptions, 
and that's what brought his uh, QB rating down. He was still, I think, at 97% QB rating, which is higher than a, a several of his wins that yeah. he's had in the playoffs. Yeah. So let, let, let's not sit there and say, oh, yeah, that, you know, this game's on Aaron Rodgers, that game's on Aaron Rodgers. No, man, you got to look at the whole entire game and say, this, this is what caused the loss. You guys brought up the, the Seattle game. I can bring up 10 things that went wrong in that Seattle game in the NFC Championship. There, there were 10 things, and number 10 would be Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, totally. There are nine other things that were bad yeah. that, that Spot on. You, you, you could place blame on. Uh, hell, Brandon Bostic wrote a book I, about it. I think about mental health. You know, I Brandon Bostic. You know, it's kind of amazing to me that that Brandon Bostic, you know, still actually flew back on the on the flight home. Like oh, how he wasn't the longest, right there, the or, longest and loneliest flight ever. I bet. Or you know, you have, uh, and this is this is bad to bring up. Do you guys remember? 94 World Cup. I'm bringing up soccer on this show. Shame me, right? Hey, I, hey I've played so soccer the, my whole life. I like soccer. I know. So the 94 World Cup, the United States in the uh, in the round of 16 or 32 or whatever it was, uh, Colombia scored an own goal, yep, yep, which, yep. which advanced the United States. That guy got back to Colombia and was killed. Yeah, the cartel. The cartel didn't really care for him anymore. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I, That's tough. With the way some of these Packers fans are, you know, I'm surprised that never happened, and, and thank God it didn't happen to Bostic. But I, I can understand why a lot of people were upset. But there were a lot of other things that Brandon Bostic would be like totally. number seven or eight on well, my list. Well, of the, 10 the, the, here's the wrong. thing, Zach. The tre- it's trendy, trendy, trendy to hate on Aaron Rodgers now because they, certain viewpoints don't align uh, with the people that want to hate on him. So it's trendy, trendy, trendy to hate on him. Look, Aaron Rodgers is, I believe he still has the best quarterback rating of all time. Yeah, 122.5. And when you look at the defenses that he's had, he's had a top 10 defense like twice ever. Yeah. Where Brady in his 23 seasons has had a top 10 defense all but like five times, guys. Yeah. Hey. It's not just Rodgers. No. It's the whole no. team effort. No. And this contract that he just signed is very team-friendly we're getting guys signed. This is absolutely what we need to see to make a yep. really good run this year. Maytag, man, we love you, brother. Love you guys. We'll see you. See you, home. Yeah, I'm still sitting there. Firmly one game I can 100% blame Rodgers. Maybe you could talk me into two, but that's it. Let's go to beautiful Edgerton, Wisconsin. Feeling a little two brothers, Rowdy. Our guy John, what's up, John? Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Doing very well, my friend. How are you? How's yourself? Good. So that, that, that piece by Rob Reichel was just a hit piece. I mean, oh, totally. And I love Robbie, but that's a hit piece. Yeah, if you're a journalist, um, aren't you obligated ethically to look at all sides when you write an article like that? I think the ethics of journalism went out the window a long time ago, John. I, I agree. It's down the toilet, but I mean, <laughs> but there was not, not one word about, like your previous caller said, I think more than anything, Mike McCarthy's love affair with Dom Capers for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Dude, I know Dom Capers was on f- way too much longer than he should have been. Mike was too loyal. Big Mike too loyal to his staff. Yeah, and it just it, I think more than anything that was affected Aaron Rodgers' playoff record. So that's all I had to say. But, yeah, two words, Dom Capers. Don, uh, John, thanks so much, brother. Nice hearing from you. you. Love Edgerton, too. See you, buddy. 
Bye. Yeah, uh, I do. I got well, family in Edgerton. I got family there. Not only was Don Capers long in the tooth, but my mom's from Edgerton. Obviously, Ted Thompson was long in the tooth too. Look at some of the drafts that he finished with. Look at the fact that he didn't want to dip into free agency, or the fact that he let some of their better players walk in free agency. In fact, on this day in history, Rowdy Colin Coward. It's on my Facebook. Uh, Twenty seventeen. Are the Packers wasting Aaron Rodgers' prime by refusing to spend in free agency? This was a huge show for Colin Coward. I got so many people posted it to me. And now everyone wants to make Rodgers the villain. Who's the bad guy? There's just so many things that have went wrong over the past decade plus that you couldn't even if you replay the entire decade a hundred times, they won't even happen. How yeah. many more you know what I'm saying? It's yep. like Brady and Rodgers have put themselves out there in the playoffs consistently almost every single season. One guy has had a ton of luck. One guy has had a lot of bad luck. Yep. And it's the loser mentality, man. It's some of these low-T people like Bills, low-T Bills. It's, would you prefer missing the playoffs by a wide margin with Jordan Love or being a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers? But I will finish with saying this. I'll take the Super Bowl contender. And Aaron Rodgers have both put themselves in those positions to either get lucky or be unlucky because they've both been good and have had good teams. There you are, James. You you don't get to that spot to lose (laughs) if you weren't pretty good. (laughs) Exactly. So yesterday uh, on the Packers vein, really quick here before news of the weird, um, on Monday it was... You know, Zadaria Smith cut, Billy Turner cut, Preston Smith restructured. And then there was the news of Rasul Douglas, that Rasul Douglas was going to come back to the Packers. Well, there's been an update. Uh, Bill Huber said a lot of you have asked about Rasul Douglas, so did I. Uh, While there was interest in bringing back Rasul Douglas, that apparently has tapered off last night, according to a source. At this point, he'll be available to sign with anyone when the league year begins at 3 p.m. today. The reasoning... Purely financial. So from what the report, and Rowdy, this goes back to rumors. What was it again? Rumors. Sources. Reports. Reports. And then the reports are right maybe half the time. That's being generous. So the rumors were that, you know, Rasul Douglas was coming back. Some people reported on it. And then the reports came out that apparently it was uh, tapered off. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Just kidding. Sorry. Seeing if it would stick. And I saw that uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be getting a lot of interest on the open market. Yeah, I saw Darius Leonard, linebacker for the Colts, uh, saying Valdez-Scantling with eyes. Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of intrigue with him because he's, you know, he's fast. I mean, how, how many good seasons has Are you MVS willing? Are you, okay, the market for Valdez-Scantling is supposed to be 8 to $10 million. Yeah. Are you willing to give Valdez-Scantling 8 to $10 million? No. Absolutely not. Uh, eight tops, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Too high for me. I mean, same, but he's fast. Well, think about what you saw from Valdez Scantling in his career with the Packers. He was there for four years. His first year was very inconsistent. Yep. Mm-hmm. His second year, he showed like there was some promise there. The third year, he had his best season. Fourth year, he was hurt. He's really only had one solid season in the NFL in his first four years. It's just the intangible of, yeah, he's fast and he can stretch the defense. I'm sorry, but for me in the NFL these days, fast doesn't doesn't make me want to pay you $8 million. You can be as fast as you want, but can you catch the ball? The NBA has been absolutely in fuego with dudes popping off. 
Let's see here. Kyrie dumped a bunch of points down when he had 50 points the other uh, last week. Kevin Durant gave him a standing ovation on the road, obviously. And then KD went out and scored 53 in Brooklyn. Kyrie couldn't play, but he could walk around maskless, do whatever he wants to do, just not play. Someone make that make sense. Do you see that the Nets got... Yeah, fine, fine 50000 For allowing him into the locker room. But he literally can go anywhere in the stadium, Rowdy, without a mask or anything. Just not on the court. But since it was a team function in the locker room, he got fined for it. Well, the Nets did. But if you're unvaccinated and on the away team, you can come play and be in the locker room. Yeah, but now are you seeing what they're doing for Major League Baseball in New York? Yeah, if you're uh, unjabbed, if you're a pure blood, they say can't play. You are not allowed to play home games in New York if you're a Met or a Yankee as of right now, if you're unvaccinated. And I believe last year, according to the Mets statistics, only 55% of their players were vaccinated. You tell me they're going to be playing with like roughly half a team. (laughs) I mean, it, it makes no sense. And Anthony Rizzo just inked up a deal with the Yankees yesterday. $32 million. Two years, 32 million. Uh, I believe last year he was unvaccinated. Correct. Uh, there's a couple of the Yankees too that aren't so very intriguing. What's going to happen? Hopefully some, I, I say this with a grain of salt, hopefully common sense prevails, but I mm, doubt it. It's government work, Rowdy. There's no common sense in there with that mayor in New York. Uh, but how about this? Kyrie Irving, this dude, this dude rules. Kyrie Irving is the man. He set a franchise record for the Nets last night. He had 41 points at halftime. He dropped 41 at half in route to a career high and a franchise record, a 60 piece in an absolute dismantling of the Orlando Magic, 150 to 108. It was such an ass whooping by Kyrie Irving that everyone in Orlando in the stands had to recognize it. They gave Kyrie a standing ovation. The away fans, Rowdy, gave Kyrie. A standing ovation. Incredible. He met with uh, NBA TV after uh, the game. I just wanted to play a little bit of it. Kyrie rules. I wish he was a buck, but listen. Masterful performance. Uh, the, the fans chanting your name. Just a, a special performance. How did it feel to be in the zone? Once again, you had 50 a week ago, but to put up 60 tonight. No, I felt good. Uh, you know, I think it, it really is a testament to the way that we've been gelling as a team and us just giving each other confidence and doing the right things. And when you could get 60 in the flow of a game and it doesn't seem forced and you're not putting up a, a few a few too many bad shots and, uh, you know, you come to the bench and guys are supporting you and telling you to go after the record, then, you know, that makes basketball well worth it. We were we were mentioning during the broadcast, you know, Kevin was giving you a round of applause at your 50 <laughs> a week ago. You had a front row seat watching Kevin put up 53 yeah. yesterday and to have 60. Is there just a friendly, I mean, there's a brotherhood, obviously, but you're <laughs> one up in each other now. Yeah, no, nah, that, that's what it's about. As you see across the league, guys are just, you know, putting up crazy numbers. But when you have uh, two guys on the same team competing like that, friendly competition, brotherly competition, of course we talk about it, but we really just want to be savants of this. We, we don't use savants. that word lightly, you know. We, we take the game serious. We want to be efficient with it. We want everybody to feel good, do it on the defensive end first, and uh, really prove to every team in the league that we're not only better conditioned, but we can be very efficient offensively. Think defensively. about that so that's what it's about. Do you feel it in your first couple of shots that it's going to be a special night? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> other times, probably not. But 
Um, you know, the ball was swinging, the ball was hopping, and Steve was calling my number and, you know, just making a few easy plays and uh, just getting in the paint of the defense and doing what I do. Have you ever had an opposing crowd giving you a standing ovation? Uh, in the second, they did it a handful of times. Scott. Yeah, not, not too many. <laughs> not too many times like this. This is probably the first time it's ever happened. I'm just grateful that we had a supporter of the league. But, of course, when you're supporting the Nets, it feels even better. And uh, this is what the game is about, just uh, bringing the love and just performing well and doing with a humble approach. There's nothing, nothing more. I love Kyrie Irving, dude. In the face of adversity, standing true to what he believes in and who he is, to go out there and not be a distraction for his team despite playing only away games and helping the Nets, who just lost James Harden, starting to rise a little bit, the 36 and 33. The question now is, Rowdy, the Bucks second in the East, 43 and 26. They got the Sacramento Kings tonight. Uh, they just beat Utah the, in Utah for the first time since 2001, uh, two nights ago. Uh, could the Nets, with a KD and a Kyrie, now, I don't know if he'd be playing in home games, but is there a threat to the Bucks, like a Nets team that's rising up here? I mean, you look at the Cavaliers, they're a six seed. You look at the Bulls, who are probably get uh, Lonzo Ball back eventually here. 76ers just got James Harden, and the Heat are the number one seed. I mean, looking at the Bucks right now, I know we're you know, the regular season is, is what it is, but we're nearing playoffs coming sooner than later. Uh, the Bucks to be the man, you got to beat the man. Ric Flair said that. They're the reigning champions. Is this the Bucks to lose, or is there a threat out there in the East? Obviously, you have to like Brooklyn's odds because you remember last year when they had James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Irving was done. Uh, Harden was hobbled. Yep. And it was basically just Kevin Durant, and he he pushed the Bucks as, as much as probably the Bucks wanted, and thankfully he wore a size shoe a little too long. <laughs> But, yeah, that was a good team last year. The Bucks got past them. They did have injuries. Now, this year, Harden is gone after the trade. They yep, brought in Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving is able to play half the time. Kyrie Irving is coming out like a 50 and then a 60-point performance. Unfortunately for Brooklyn, he only gets to play half the time. Correct. But fortunately for the Bucks, he, he gets to, to play, play half, half the, the time. time. <laughs> and, and now... Um, when you look at Milwaukee, they did get Brooke Lopez back the other night. And George Hill for the bench as well. See, they're starting to get healthier here. And and it's always been for Milwaukee. And Pat Milwaukee. Connaughton's going to be back sooner than later with that, that broken finger. For Milwaukee, it's always been just get healthy, just get to the playoffs, and basically ride a top three player in the NBA that is Giannis. Giannis. And then, uh, well, hell, again, they haven't won in Utah since 2001. Uh, let's see here. Giannis had 30. Drew Holiday at 29, and Chris Middleton at 23. So if you can get production like that from your big three, and we've seen what, listen, we've seen what Giannis can do in the playoffs. 50 years since the Bucks won a championship in a closeout game, for it all, Giannis scores 50, and then later that the next day orders 50 pieces of chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. Dude is a monster. Giannis is the Greek freak. I love Giannis. Uh, I'm excited to see you know once the NBA playoffs get you know underway here. Now the Sacramento Kings tonight for the deer, it's the Kings. Not really much to uh, hold there. They're 13th in the Western Conference, sitting at 25 and 45. They're third to last. So if you want to stay up for some uh, interesting ball, I guess you can watch. I'd assume the Bucks throttling the Kings. But Rowdy coming up in about 20 minutes, the Razor's Edge. We're going to do another. Or you're going to do another bet, I should say, for the first four. A little March Madness flavor. Uh, yeah, don't talk too much Bucks in the regular season just because, I mean, hell, some of the players don't even care. But when you got the likes of, you know, the Nets still creeping up and Ben Simmons 
is Ben Simmons that much of a difference maker for the Nets? I mean, he's not even playing right now. He's got an injured back. But when you got Kyrie and KD popping off, 50, 53 from KD, or 50 from Kyrie, 53 from KD, 60 from Kyrie. Uh, I think you got to take a little notice as they might start climbing up here in the Well, charts. especially because last year, the year that the Bucks won it, had they had a healthy, maybe just Harden with KD or maybe just a Kyrie with KD, that series becomes that much tougher. And who knows? Maybe the Bucks don't get by Brooklyn. Like a lot of things, a lot of things went down for the Bucks last year in their favor for them to be able to win that championship. Yeah. And that's just what has to happen during champ- championship seasons. Yep. Like how many times have you heard of a team that won a championship and then someone says, yeah, but they had a ton of bad luck. You always <laughs> never, hear they had a never, ton of good luck. Never. Yeah. Cause if you have bad luck, you don't win. If you have bad luck, you're the green Bay Packers in the playoffs. If you have good luck to quit at the NFL, I guess you're Tom Brady. From the Patriots to the Buccaneers. But yes, the Bucks had a lot of good, uh, well, I mean, the Bucks did have some bad luck. Remember when you thought Giannis Antetokounmpo's like career was over when he about ripped his knee out of the socket? Well, you could say that it was good luck because he was back in like a week. Yeah, but touche. I haven't talked much baseball today. Obviously, March Madness on the brain. We say good morning to young Ben Kenny, if that's okay. Young Ben Kenny, you have a moment to talk? Yo. I promise the uh, tequila in me. Tequila makes me feel extra good. Not yeah, extra, Not extra sassy. So you'll be all right. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Tequila actually is an upper, believe it or not. Most of the liquor is a downer. It's an upper. I don't know if you knew that or not. But, Ben Kenny. Aren't you getting ready for your medical procedure tomorrow? Uh, I've, I've cleared the air. This will be the third or fourth time you're clearing the air. I am not getting a vasectomy tomorrow. Really? But I will not be in tomorrow. So you're watching March Madness? Uh, I mean, I'll have it on, sure. Got some Sorry. families. Got a concert tonight. Got some family stuff. Sorry, tomorrow. I'm in the process of crafting a great tweet about how I'm going to be here for 15 hours. I can't wait. Yeah, you're really hanging on to that 15-hour thing. Oh, know? I will. Oh, I will for a long time. It's good for you. I hang on to a lot of stuff. Working uh, when you're, you know, as young as you are, it's, it's, it puts a little hair in the nuggets. It's good yeah. for you, you know? It's good Kenny, for you. Kenny and Halpern, 6 to 7 tomorrow. Listen. Yep. Uh, Rowdy and uh, young Ben Kenny going to take over 6 to 10 tomorrow. And then, Ben, you can, you know, jump in from time to time from 10 to 2 with Billy Mikes. And then you get a little reprieve. Yeah. And then 6 to 7, you got Kenny and Halpern. Yeah. Look at that. All right, so boys, baseball. Who just signed? Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber? With who? Phillies. Philadelphia Phillies. How are we feeling? I'm feeling great. About Schwarber? Cannot wait to get completely destroyed emotionally in September, but And what'd you say the record will be at the end of the year? Eighty two and eighty. Eighty two and eighty. <laughs> With Girardi at the helm? Okay, maybe 78 and 84. <laughs> I was going to give him at least 83. That idiot. <laughs> that idiot. No, uh, I think actually Schwarber, with the DH now in the NL, Schwarber's uh, value just went up. And that's after coming off of a good year. I agree. And I this is going to be a comment about the Brewers, but... The yeah, Phillies please. That's where I was going to go to. Love signing old, washed-up relievers for too much money. They always get hurt in the first week of the season because the team can't develop anything or maintain success. But the Brewers, on the other hand, when they do the same thing, well, it always works. It's low money, though, for the Brewers. Yes. Low money, and then they... like, But they actually get the players that end up being good. Because the player's like, oh, I just got low-balled. Now i got to do better to get a bigger contract. <sighs> While the Phillies pay David Robertson $15 million, he gets hurt in the first night. Because he puts his feet up early because like, I just got paid. Didn't pitch once for the team. they got to do the Stearns approach. You who get low the, money. Who did Brad Hand just sign with? 
The Phillies. Oh, that. See, that's, <laughs> I couldn't. I was. I, I thought it was the Phillies, but I wasn't sure because Brad Hand, former former All Star, like a good closer, a few years ago, uh, five years ago. It's it's been a minute though. You're as familiar too. But that's what I'm saying. Is like you guys shelled out. What was it? Five six million dollars for Brad Hand. Maybe more. <laughs> and we got we got Brad Boxberger. For two and a half after coming off of a great season where they got him for even cheaper the year before, but you guys overpaid for Brad Hand. Yep. Which, okay, let's be honest. Who's worth more after their last couple seasons? Brad Hand or Brad Boxberger? Brad Boxberger. Exactly, but the Brewers got him for like a third of the price. For once, I agree with both of you. Wouldn't you say that two in the hand is worth one in the bush? Is that the saying? One in the pocket? What's the saying? Never never, mind. I'm trying to make a hand joke. Tequila. All right. And then there's Ben shaking his head. So, Rowdy, I just saw this. Uh, the White Sox ace, uh, Chris, Chris, uh, sorry, Red Sox ace, Chris Sale, is going to miss the start of the season. Got a stress fracture in the rib cage. Okay, when's the last time he's been healthy? I just saw it pop up. 2018. Uh, the, the A's have traded uh, Matt Chapman to the Blue Jays for prospects. Dog. The dog. Schwarber he is, is he on is the move. A dog. The Cubs just signed that uh, Suzuki to a five year, $70 million deal. And the Brewers, Rowdy, what? They got Andrew McCutcheon and McCutcheon Brad Boxberger are their two big moves so but far. But Hunter Renfrew, don't forget about Hunter Renfrew. I'm yeah. going to hype up McCutcheon all throughout, like, leading up to the season and throughout the summer. Because every time the Brewers face a lefty, he's going to be in the lineup and he's going to be productive. And he is quite literally the best clubhouse locker room dude I've ever seen. See, I'm curious to see how the DH shakes out. Because... If Keston here can go back to the 2019 version, he's the ideal DH for this Brewer team. Now, the odds of that happening after you're watching in the last two years, probably not a lot of people are confident in that. But who's going to play the field? Who are they going to give the DH spot to? Will it be a revolving door? Because you look at the outfield, and if you just look at the outfield, you would say Hunter Renfro looks like the DH. But then when you get them on the field, statistically... Christian Yelich was the worst outfielder out of everyone. Well, I saw this tweet, and you you sent it, Rowdy, but I wanted to bring it up to the people out there, and I know Ben will be like, oh, yeah. So between Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, and Andrew McCutcheon, there are nine all-star appearances, three gold gloves, two NL MVPs, and one ALCS MVP. Yeah, when I was in middle school. Yeah, say, but they're all washed besides Yelich. My retort to... <laughs> well, I'm wondering when I can unveil my take that Yelich should hit leadoff all year. Didn't you take? Didn't you have that last year? Yeah, and they never did it, and it was dumb. Yeah. Real quick, Rowdy, <laughs> my retort, retort to hit, to that uh, tweet was: and now zero are playing at an MVP level, zero playing at even an All Star level, and just one is a plus defender these days, and that would be Lorenzo Cain, who already is is basically load managed because of his knees. Yeah, McCutcheon is not bad, but he is old. Well, I like the veteran you presence. Can see it. He. He's not going to make your boneheaded crazy mistakes, but he's also not the same outfielder he used to. Well, I also saw this about real quick. I saw this about Yelly. It's like, well, last year Yelly was was the third best on the Brewers' offense. I'm like, I wouldn't be bragging about that. See, I would not be bragging. I about just, that. I just don't get the the career arc defensively for Christian Yelich. When he was younger, playing in Miami, he's playing in a much bigger outfield, and his arms seem to be better. His range seemed to be better. Just just his overall defense seemed to be better. He comes to Milwaukee where 
it's much more hitter friendly and the park is smaller. Thus he's got to cover less ground and the throws aren't as far and he looks progressively worse. Now, now McCutcheon, it makes sense because he's just getting older. What, Lorenzo Cain, it makes sense, even though he's still a plus defender. He's just getting older. His legs are slowing down. Hunter Renfro is never going to be confused with a burner. He's just got a cannon for an arm. He's very close to what Avisel Garcia was. Big body, could make the plays when he got there, but really he was living off of a cannon for an arm. Yelich is the, is the weird one because his... His struggles defensively. defensively just don't make as much sense as the other guys. Well, it could line up with his injury. Andrew McCutcheon in 2019, he tore his ACL. This was pre-injury. Yeah. yeah. Ever since he came to the Brewers, he's been getting worse and worse defensively. But I, I think it will be a plus both for Yelich and McCutcheon, who've seen better days, if they're going to rotate them uh, in the DH spot, especially if you're going to go out and say, hey, McCutcheon's going to be a DH every time against lefties. Well, I think that would benefit both of them. Are the Brewers going to have a legit DH, or is it going to be a revolving door then? I think I it'll be a revolving door. I don't think they should have a legit DH. Just, just constantly. Should be matchups, get guys off yeah. their feet, rotate them in, matchup-wise, because you have some guys, uh, hitters in the outfield, that are specialists. Like, Andrew McCutcheon should not be in the lineup when a righty's on the mound. But a lefty is one of the best hitters in baseball against lefties. And if you if you look at what the Brewers have been doing in spring training... So far in this short spring training, yeah. Keston here has been working out in the corner outfields. Probably more. Don't they have the most crowded outfield ever right now? Keston here, a hype train. I love, I love Keston. Hey, I love Keston. He was a center fielder coming out of college, but then obviously the elbow problems. Zach has given me a lot of crap about him. I was on the Keston here train like the day they drafted. Does his him. underlying metrics from Nashville say that he's going to hit 400 Ra- this year? Rowdy, Rowdy. I wrote an article on MadCitySportsZone.com. One of the one of the <laughs> few, if not only. Ago. Rowdy, is that your only article you ever wrote? I, no, I was forced to do some others. <laughs> forced. Rowdy did write. You probably forced to write what, like three articles, and the only one you enjoyed was about Keston Hira. This is before the rise of Keston. And then I got so much flack from Zach Heilprin, the sports wow. director. Then the next year, Keston Hira pretty much balled out, and now we have um, have not seen that since. So you know how I tried to say uh, the two in the hand is worth one in the bush or whatever? I think I butchered that saying. Mm-hmm. Rowdy's one of the few articles he wrote. The headline. Is it, okay if I say this? Jury's out. It says, jury's out. Keston can hit. <laughs> it was it was clearly a mistake. It's but a mistake. Jury, jury's in. Our verdict's in. Keston can hit. Huh. But then Zach Halpern not let it go. Can't let it go. <laughs> it was pretty funny, though, actually. That's good. Jury's out. Keston can hit. So I, I know there's no way this is going to happen, but final Brewers move of the offseason. Nick Castellanos? <laughs> no way. No. That'd be the difference maker. They still, like, that, that requires like the lineup money can spending. work. You could throw all these guys together and they'll be productive. I still Where think would they you need play the bat. They Where need would you play one him? more bat. Where would you play him? I don't know. Third Anywhere. base? He could hit. DH. How much would he be? How much would you have to shell out for him? Good amount. Not Probably close that. to 20 million. If there's one thing I know about the Milwaukee Brewers, besides they don't have a World Series and it sucks, is they don't they don't I mean, shell out money. Schwarber has got just under 20 million. Castellanos is a better player. If you can get him for under 20 million, that's a steal. Do what? you know where you can find? Do you know where you can find Mark Adonazio and maybe David Stearns right now? Uh, we're trying to get them on the Bill Michaels show. No, so I know I'll where you can you find know. them. Go to Saint Walmart. Vinny's. Go to Walmart or St. Vinny's, but go to Walmart. There's the five dollar bin of Blu-ray DVDs 
or maybe even the one dollar bin. They're they're digging for like an Oscar winner from like early two thousand, so they can buy it for a dollar. What the Brewers will do for the rest of this uh, off season, which is for St. Finney's, is rapidly ending here as we only have what three more weeks left of this quote unquote spring training. I think they'll sign like two more veteran relief pitchers that are very similar to what Brad Boxberger and uh, Brian Phelps were a couple years ago and they'll be decent and they'll roll basically with what they have. And they'll win the NL Central with it. Because, you know, it would be nice if they could go out and get a big-time first baseman, but a lot of them have signed now, and there's no way they're going to win the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. I think it's mix mix and matching for the rest of uh, this offseason, I guess you would say, and I, I... I don't really think they sign anyone else outside of some relief pitchers. Like, large sample size, it'll work because we've seen it work over the season. But once you get into small sample size playoff series, it's usually the teams that get hot with yeah. a all with a great hitter. Well, well if you have a player that goes crazy like Eddie Rosario, but still, you see the great players go crazy and win them, win their team series. Freddie Freeman did it against the Brewers last year. I don't care. Why are you bring it up? How, I don't care how good your I'm pitching to make a staff case for is. Castellanos. <laughs> I don't care how good your pitching staff is, like the Brewers was last year. If you tell me that your entire offense in a three-game series was going to be two Rowdy Telez swings, Rowdy. I'd tell you you are effed. <laughs> yeah, you are effed. And he did say that to us, but Rowdy used the full word when we were at church camp. 